1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 says, We are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise master builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. This is the entire sermon today. Each one should build with care. Each one should. Each one of us should. This church should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, or wood, hay, and straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Church, this verse, it, it makes me tremble today. My work is one day going to be shown for what it is. Mike Pats, why are you up there preaching? Like, why are you serving? Why are you a pastor? Why are you a mom, dad, husband? Why do you have the job you have? What, each one's work is going to be shown for what it is because the day, that would be the day of judgment, will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. I, I, I just want to point out, this is not hellfire. This is judgment fire. There is such a thing as hellfire. This, by the way, this is going to be the least like, seeker-sensitive sermon you've ever, okay? Um, th this is, I'm just going to lay it out there. It's a, the, the day is late. The, the world events are real, and I'm just going to speak the truth uh, in hopefully boldness and kindness as much as I can today. It'll be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what he has built survives, the builder will receive a reward. Everybody shout reward. A reward. In Spanish, it'd say, si lo que alguien ha construido permanece, va a recibir su recompensa. Recompensa. If it is burned up, though, the builder will suffer loss, yet will be saved, even though us only one escaping through the flames. Jesus, I ask for help to say this like I should and to make much of you. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. When I was a freshman at the University of Florida, I had a, a condition where I had a hard time going to class. <laughs> and this condition was having a bad effect on my life, specifically because I took professors at their word when they had given us a syllabus that had the dates of our quizzes and tests and although the syllabus did say that attendance was mandatory, when I skipped class, I did not expect that the professors were going to institute things like pop quizzes or changed test dates, which I felt like was a demonic thing to do, an evil thing to do. It was not demonic, obviously. And I remember walking into classes where I did not expect to have a test because I was not prepared for the test. And let me just ask real quick, 
Who in this room knows somebody that ever was not ready for a test? I want you to imagine that feeling, that sinking feeling, and I, I, I want you to get in touch with that and multiply it by a Google because the scripture speaks about a day that is coming that is unlike a test day, it's unlike a final day. There's a day that's coming that's going to reveal how prepared that we were. And there's so many things going on in the world today, it's tempting for me to preach a message on, hey, let's talk about the signs of the times and, and wars and rumors of wars, and I'll talk about a little bit of that, but I was talking to a student at Santa Fe who was meeting with their academic advisor that said, son, this is how you need to do Santa Fe. Every day at Santa Fe, you need to have in the back of your mind, University of Florida, you need to live today in the light of that day. You need to live at Santa Fe in the light of the University of Florida, because if you want to get into the University of Florida, you need to study as if you're getting ready for the University of Florida, because that's what it's going to take. I'm not detecting the same measure of sobriety when I'm watching people post online as Israel and, and Hamas are going nuts and, and I watch people respond, react as mere humans, as, as mere mortals, as, as people that are, are more discipled by AOC or Ben Shapiro or Donald Trump or the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. And I'm like, wait, are those your rabbis and are these your shepherds? And, and I'm not, listen, I've, there's great voices all over. There's intelligent people all over. My concern is when we've been more discipled and trained in the ways of the earth and getting ready for the ways of heaven and we blow our lives at Santa Fe not getting ready for UF, that we waste our lives on earth so consumed with our latest scrolling through Twitter, which is now known as X or the CNN or MSNBC, that, that we fail to realize you are getting ready for the day. Martin Luther said, I have but two days on my calendar this day and that day. This day and that day. I, I want to burn in your hearts today, that day. I, I hear people foolishly worried that Christians are too heavenly minded to be no earthly good, not understanding that you can never get too UF minded to be Santa Fe good. To be Santa Fe good, you need to be UF minded. To, to be earthly good, you need to be heavenly minded. Otherwise, you're going to be like a puppet from whatever latest news propaganda source you read. We're so consumed and concerned about getting canceled and do, your, your silence is compliance and, and what's your position on Hamas? What's your position on Israel? What's your position on, you fill in the blank on whatever the issue. Everyone's so concerned about like making a statement in the eyes of people because the, the living hell of most Americans right now is, oh, God forbid if you got canceled online. God forbid if, if someone cancels you. Friends, God forbid that you get to the day of judgment and get canceled. The, the, the feeling is a right one, but the timing is misplaced because you need not worry about what the peasants on earth judge you because there is only one judge and he is not on Twitter. He's not on Facebook. He's not, he's not on any of the news channels you're watching, trust me. I'm not against the news channels. I'm not against Twitter. I've spent way too much time on Twitter this week. I'm concerned for a lack of urgency that I, I see people saying, hey, Pastor Mike, watch out. 
You better make a statement this week because everyone's, let me say to you, watch out. You better live a life because one day there is a day that's coming that's revealing everything. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, it says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for us, the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Every one of you under the sound of my voice, you've got one and only life. Tienes, tiene una vida, solamente una vida. You've got one life. You've got one life to live. It's going to be done faster than you know it is. If you were at a festival in Israel last week, your life ended quicker than you thought. If you were living in northern parts of Gaza this week, your life might have been quicker than you thought. I don't know how long you have. You might have 40 years left. You might have four days left. What I do know is there's one life that is soon going to be passed, and the scripture says when it is, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. There is a final exam of all final exams. There is a, a final test. There's a final verdict that's going to be given. And the question is, how do we get ready for that day? I don't even know how to, I mean, I have literally prayed this week. I've been on my face like, God, how do I preach a sermon that doesn't just evaporate? How do I say things in a way that you can receive them, that you won't forget, reject? How do we get ready for that day? Because I'm burdened that we're not. I'm burdened that there will, there will be many, many, many people that came to Greenhouse and they're going to get to that. Like, what? Wait, wait. Nobody told me. I'm telling you today. It's coming. I'm telling you. It's like, it's like Israel you know, flying over Gaza and dropping leaflets saying, listen, get out of northern Gaza. The, the day is coming. The fire is going to come. I'm here. I'm, I'm making the announcement. There is a day that's coming that according to Jesus is a surprising day because on that day, many are going to say, what? Lord, didn't we? And he's going to say, depart from me. I never. Many, many, many are going to say, I wasn't ready for this. This is a message right now. This is not a fun message, funny message, clever message. Today's a message where I'm soberly crying out to God to prepare the way of the Lord. How do we get ready? Number one, knowing this, Jesus is the only foundation. In verse 5 here, backing up just a little, Paul says, what after all is Apollos? What is Paul? They're just servants. Listen, what is Pastor Mike? He's just a servant. People ask me sometimes, what should I call you? Should I call you Pastor Mike? You can just call me servant. I want to serve Jesus and I want to serve you. Like that's what I want to, I don't need a title. I want to be a servant. I want to follow Jesus. Jesus was a servant. If the king of the universe comes down, takes up a towel and washes people's feet, then we need to bow down and wash people's feet. Amen? The only foundation that's worthy of being a foundation is, is Jesus Christ. He says, what's Apollos? What's, we're just servants. I planted seed, Apollos watered, but God's the one that makes it grow. Everyone say God. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. Like Paul's like, Paul, I'm nothing. Apollos, I'm nothing. But only God. Greenhouse is nothing. Mike Pats is nothing. Only God. Doesn't matter the name of the church as long as the church points to Jesus. As long as the preacher proclaims Jesus. 
I've got but one boast and his name is Jesus. The only confidence I have is Jesus. Toda, toda mi confianza está en Jesucristo, solamente Jesús. Tengo mucha confianza en Jesús, en, en su nombre, su poder, su resurrección. I've got a lot of confidence in Jesus and his resurrection. The one who plants, the one who waters have one purpose. They, they're going to be rewarded. They, they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. You don't look at a quarterback and say, whoa, he's more important than the wide receiver. You score when they both do their parts. When Apollos does his part, and Paul does his part, and Greenhouse does its part, and First Baptist does its part, and Third Methodist does its part, and First Church of God in Christ does its part. When all of us do our part, but all the glory to him. The name of Greenhouse compares that the name of Jesus be lifted high. For we are God's workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. And in verse 11, it says, For no one can lay any other foundation except the one that's laid, which is Jesus Christ. How do you build a life? How do you build a life that's ready for the judgment seat of Christ one day? Number one, Jesus is the only foundation. You need the foundation of Jesus. It's all about God. The glory is to God. The name that's got power is Jesus. All the glory to him alone. Amen. Number two, my life is providing the building materials on top of this foundation. Who's the foundation? Say his name. But the building itself is being constructed with materials that I am sending ahead. Can you put that chapter 3, verse 10 in ESV up here for me on the screen? I don't have the ESV Bible with me, but could you put 310 in ESV up on the screen? Paul says, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds. Let each one take care. Every time you pick up your phone, you are building your life. Every time you open an app, you're building a life. Every conversation you have, you are building. You are sending ahead into your eternal existence, building materials. The way that you're treating your enemies and talking about Hamas and speaking about Israel and, and thinking about your coworkers and, and relating to your neighbors. You are building a life. My life is providing the building materials. Let me read you something from Randy Alcorn. He says, the Bible tells us that although others may not remember us or care what our lives have been, God will remember perfectly. And he carries very much, so much that the door of eternity swings on the hinges of our present life. The Bible tells us that this life lays the foundation upon which eternal life is built. Eternity will hold for us what we have invested there during our life on earth. Scripture makes clear that the one central business of this life is to prepare for the next. In verse 12, he says, if anyone builds, everyone say if. If anyone builds, see, alguien construye sobre este fundamento. If someone builds upon this with gold and silver and precious stones or wood and hay and straw, 
Let me just be clear. Every one of you today is building with gold and silver or precious stones that do not perish or wood and hay and straw that do. And as humans, we are so impressed with big. What a big house. On the beach, next to the sand. What a big house. And then a hurricane blows through and the big house is brought down. And we say, whoa, where did that big house go? Because we're impressed with big and God's impressed with quality. One of you ladies comes in here and you might be wearing all kinds of gold and silver and precious stones on your body as we speak. And no one even knows it because you just kind of walk in. Oro, plata. I don't know how you say stones, piedras, what is it? Piedras preciosas. No one would even know because they're small. You might be carrying a million dollars on you right now. No one would even know it because a million dollars of precious stones, you can kind of hide it. But if one of you ladies walked in with a million dollars of hay, <laughs> we'd be like, hey, what's going on here with all the hay? Because a million dollars of hay is awfully big, but you take some fire to the hay, bye-bye, hay. Everyone say adios. But you take some fire to those million dollars of gold and silver and piedras preciosas. And you put fire together. Remember, we're going to burn that stone. I said, we're going to burn that stone. I said, we're going to burn that gold. And you could even burn the gold. And it might even melt, but it's not going to disappear. Because unlike the wood and the hay and the straw, when you take fire to the gold and the silver and the precious stones, they do not get consumed. They get refined. And the burden of my soul is the judgment seat of Christ is coming and God has dropped the warning. The fire is coming. The day is coming. The judgment is coming. The day of reckoning is coming. The great exposure is coming. The great reveal is coming. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Stop worrying about social media. Stop worrying about what the peasants on earth think. Think about one opinion alone because there is but one judge of the universe and his name is Jesus Christ. You, I've looked at buildings on a beach and said, wow, look at that one. Oh, wow, look at that one. And, and then the hurricane comes by. And when the hurricane comes by, one of them stands and one of them falls. The difference is not the, the foundation because they had the, both the same foundation. The difference is the workmanship. The difference is the building materials that were used because the same hurricane that levels one house, it messes with another house, but it remains intact because one that was built with wood, it's going to fall. And one that is built with concrete slab and building materials that are hefty, it, it stands. It will be revealed with fire. It's interesting, he says that 
The day is going to reveal, it's going to be revealed a fire. According to God, there's going to be a day of judgment where all the stuff that we've done apparently gets brought before the, your whole life is going to be brought before God. Your whole life is going to be brought to this place before the, the Bema seat, the judgment seat of God. It's going to be laid out. And it may look, you'll look at some, oh man, look at that guy. Oh, look at that lady. Oh, that's impressive. And there's going to be so much. Some people have so much stuff. Billy Graham always said, oh, don't be impressed with my life. And all the people say, you've done so much. He's like, yeah, but my motives have been so mixed. I think there will be little old ladies that did nothing but pray and no one ever knew about them. And the rewards will be greater in heaven because I fear that so much of mine will be burned up. Because we're impressed with big, but big when it's hay doesn't mean much. And, and big when it's wood doesn't mean much. A wood's a slower burn than hay, but it's still a burn. And we're going to lay all this stuff, and then there's going to be, a, apparently, there's a fire of judgment that's going to come. And it's going to expose, why did you do what you did? Not just what you did. What, for, for what purpose? Who was it for? Whose glory was that for? Mike Pats, when you got up and preached, was that for the glory of God or for the glory of you? Who, who was this for? Every song you sang and Sermon you preached, indeed you did, and child you helped, and person you fed. In the ancient world, I was reading this week about the ancient world and how fires were very common in the ancient world. In fact, like what this is referring to, the day is going to reveal, it will be revealed by fire. That was actually like a phrase that the ancient world knew well. Like you would know how hefty your home was because fires went into villages and places all the time. And so a lot of people's houses would be, they'd have a, if you had a good foundation, you've got this, you know, maybe like a, a rock foundation. And then you might build on it. And if you built on it with like bricks or with, with stones, that, that would be good too. But a lot of times you would, there would be a mixture of, there'd be stones and, and, and things like that. But then you'd also have like maybe hay or you've got some wood beams. You've got some of these other things. And what would happen is when the fire would go through a village or when the fire would go through some kind of a city, everyone had to evacuate. You would leave and you were praying, oh God, I hope that my house is there when I get back. And what would happen is the fire would reveal the nature of the stuff of your house. And so sure enough, you'd find out, oh man, sometimes they would even take, you know, ceramic deals and put valuables under it because they, they wanted that thing, anything that could be protected from the fire to be protected. But the fire would come and burn and it would reveal the things that were permanent and it would re reveal the things that were not. Every first century person knew the, the fire. We don't really get it because we don't tear houses down. And, I mean, we don't have fires for the most part. We've got fire departments. But in a world of no fire departments, in a world of, of famines, and sometimes there was no rain, fires were just a thing in life that you knew, and it would be exposed. And so sure enough, your house that you loved, and it might have been a big house, you'd find out that you've got nothing but a foundation and some walls left because all the rest of the stuff was perishable. I'm asking you right now, if you had to stand before God and lay out your life right now, how did you respond to trials? Because 1 Peter says that trials test the genuineness of our faith. 
How do you handle when people criticize you, when people forget you, when people look over you, when, when people gossip about you? How do you handle when, when, when people come at you? How do you handle when life goes wrong? How do you handle when you don't get the raise, don't get the promotion, don't get the stuff? How do you, because what it does is it tests the genuineness of your faith. When you've been serving in a ministry and no one ever says thank you. Well, can they give me a thank you? Can I please get a thank you? <laughs> How do you handle? Because on that day, the thoughts and intents of the heart are going to be revealed. Be careful how you build, he says. Number three, the rewards are real. How do you get ready for this day, the day of the Lord? You start with Jesus is the only foundation. You recognize that your life is providing the building materials. Number three, the rewards are real. Verse eight, it says, the one who plants, the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. They have one purpose. I'm gonna come back to this, but our purpose is the glory of God. My purpose is the glory of God. Oh, I want you to know how glorious he is. How great he is. Oh, I want my life to just say, how great is our God. Oh, how great is our God. The rewards, though, are real. And, and some people struggle with this because they say, well, I don't want to be thinking about rewards. Yeah, but you'd be disobedient to not think about rewards because I didn't make this deal. Jesus did. Let me read to you from Matthew 6, 1. It says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. Like Jesus is dangling this. Jesus is saying, I want you to live for rewards. People say, I think it's wrong. No, it's not. It's wrong to live for the wrong rewards. It's very appropriate to live for the right rewards. The right rewards are the glory of God, the face of God, intimacy with God, nearness to God, the pleasure of God, intimacy with God, hearing the voice of God, any of you that have ever done it, is there any greater reward than him? Is he not the reward? Is he not the reward? When I got married on my wedding day, I got to be with my wife, and I was like, oh, we're going off on a honeymoon. The reward wasn't, oh, I hope I get some, I hope people gave me some gift cards in my hotel room. All I wanted in the hotel room was her. Trust me, the reward is not going to be, oh, check out the ring on my face. The reward, trust me, there is no reward like Jesus. He says in verse 2, so when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets like the hypocrites. They would literally like, do, 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 $5 for the homeless. He says, truly, I tell you, they've received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And then your father who sees what's done in secret rewards you. He says the same thing about fasting. When you fast, don't go tell everybody. We all need to fast for Israel and Hamas. Great, go do it. Don't post on Facebook that you're doing it. Look at my tongue, I'm fasting for Israel. Look at my tongue, I'm fasting for Palestinians. And everyone's like, ooh, like, like, like. Jesus says, well, that was your reward, that like button. 
When you fast, don't tell everybody. Let it just be between you and God. Yeah, but, but who will know? God. Yeah, but what if I was fasting to try to get people to, I was trying to make a statement. You know, some of us need to start making more statements to God and less statements to people. And if we'd make statements to God, our statements to people would have a lot more weight. I'm watching so many statements being made. All, I mean, has anyone noticed all the statements don't seem to be changing the Israelis' minds and the Palestinians' minds and people marching in London's minds and, and people in Canada's minds? Have you noticed that when we make statements that don't have his power, they don't seem to have as much strength as we thought they did? Could we just go ahead and give it up and say, Jesus, we want to do what you're doing? See, he says the rewards are, are, are real. Verse 14, he says, what has been built, if, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. So, so there's going to be this pile of stuff. Every person you ever helped, every person you ever encouraged, every, every intercession time you ever had, some of you intercede like no one's business. No one knows you intercede. No one knows all the people you prayed for, and it looks like nothing. And you live in a world where people even scoff at intercessors and prayers, like, no, go do the real stuff. All those hours of intercession, he's going to remember. All that stuff, all the dollars that were given, all the times that someone did you wrong, and you forgave them, and you could have smashed them, but you all, all, it's all going to be your entire life. And then, boom, if it, what anyone does, when the fire comes, if it survives, there's going to be a gold and a silver. You're like, whoa, I didn't know that was gold. I thought that was a rock. But if you've ever seen gold before it gets revealed for gold, it's it's like, whoa, what just happened? See, the fire has a way of revealing what was there all along. There's going to be a day of judgment where people are going to go, oh, her? And you're going to see all these treasures and all this stuff. You're going, what? Him? Because there's going to be this great reversal because Jesus said many who are first, they're actually going to be like, yeah, but he was up on stage because it says, likewise, there's some people's stuff that if anyone's stuff is verse 15, burned up, the builder will suffer loss. See, this is why I think there's a big misunderstanding. I hear people say, in my father's house are many mansions. Everybody gets a mansion up in heaven. Not necessarily. Jesus did say, in my father's house are many mansions. And then right after that, he said, and I go to prepare a place for you. I've lived in a lot of places. Anybody else? Who recognizes there's a difference between a place and a mansion? Who's ever lived in a place? <laughs> now, everybody that loves Jesus, and let me just make the real clear distinction here. There is a judgment that is coming for people that will either go to heaven or they will go to hell. I'm not going to mince any words on this. There is what's called the great white throne judgment. The people that have trusted in Jesus Christ are going to be in heaven forever and ever because of the work of Jesus, in the worth of Jesus, in the blood of Jesus. You are saved by grace through faith. Likewise, there is a judgment called the judgment seat of Christ. And that's what we just read about here, which is not based on his work. You go to heaven on his work. But there are rewards that are coming based on yours. Because he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's part of his nature. And some people are going to have all their stuff and piles and piles and piles and piles and piles of stuff. And people are going to go, ooh. See, see what, on, on judgment, there's going to be oohs 
at two different points. Some are going to get the ooze when they bring all the stuff. They're going, whoa, look at all he has done. Look at all she has done. But then an angel's going to say, wait, 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 don't ooh and awe yet. The fire hasn't come yet. Because then the fire is going to come. And what looked like big, massive mansions on a beach get leveled like a hurricane, Irma, and it turns to nothing. And they will suffer loss. And this is where people say up in heaven, there's, there's no more tears. No, the Bible says there's tears in heaven. It just says Jesus is going to wipe away every tear. That's what it says. Because there will be people suffering great loss that will get there and say, wait, what? Wait, wait, what? What? He's going to be like, listen, welcome. You're going to trust me, man. The marriage supper of the lamb and heaven itself is going to be better than even the lowest part of heaven is better than anything you could ever imagine. But there will be a moment when Paul is addressing people addicted to wisdom. He's going to say, did you not have wisdom to realize you were going to live forever and ever. And you were thinking about your dream house or your retirement when you were in your 70s. You should have been thinking about your eternal dwelling and the retirement you'll have in your billions. And the fire is going to take it. And whatever remains, remains. And some people are going to have nothing. They will be in heaven, but they'll have almost nothing. And then others, they're going to have this... This, this what's, whatever gets refined because the, the, the fire has a way of revealing, but it also has a way of refining and, and the gold becomes pure gold and the silver becomes pure silver and the, and the precious stones become the, all the other stuff because we're all mixed. I mean, the reality is we're, we're mixed batches of people. I feel like I, I'm never 100% pure, you know, and, and I got to, but whatever we had there, what we need to understand is there's a place that you're going from the judgment. I believe the next spot is described in Revelation chapter 19, and it says this. It says about this, there's a wedding to go to, and this is where we're headed. This is the, the, the pit stop between us and what is called the marriage supper of the Lamb is described here. It says, I heard a voice, and it said, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself, what's it say? Listen, Jesus saves us. Jesus predestines us. Jesus pays for us. Jesus redeems us. Jesus calls us. Jesus lifts us. Jesus cleanses us. But you got to get ready. People, get ready. Jesus is coming. For the wedding of the lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. Listen, fine linen, bright and clean, were given for her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Oh, church, let me just, let me, let me flip our script for a second because I do weddings a lot and, and the, the room is dark and the crowd is full usually and, and everyone's dressed up and everyone's at their best and I'm up here at the stage and, and the groom is here and the wedding party is here and, and, and it's dim lighting and, and the music's whatever and then all of a sudden the back doors open up and there's this bright light that penetrates the darkness 
and the bright light that penetrates the darkness is the glory of the bride and, and the doors open and everyone goes and they look and the groom starts to cry and the preacher chuckles and, and the people look and all rise and they all rise for the bride as they look back and they see her and she comes down and they begin the wedding march in the song here comes the who's ever seen that and the pictures that are taken it's like they take pictures of everything but i mean let's just be honest it's like 10 to 1 pictures of the bride to anything else because she's hot or she's fine or she's hermosa she's whatever right but but i i just i need to let everyone understand something here there is coming a wedding day called the marriage supper of the lamb and the focus of attention is not going to be the bride it is going to be the lamb. And we are going to go from a judgment to a wedding feast, and we are going to take our crowns and our gold and our silver and the stuff that's been refined, and we're going to come, and we are go and here's where the catch. At the marriage supper of the lamb, everyone's going to be there recognizing this is the one who paid for me. This is the one who died for me. This is the one who redeemed me. This is the one who rescued me. This is the one that called me by name. This is the one that paid for me with his own blood. This is the one that Paul would say, when I was a terrorist, because he was, he didn't wipe me out. He came and saved me and rescued me. I didn't deserve anything. And he turned a Saul terrorist into a Paul apostle. This is, and watch, you're going to go from that judgment, you're going to scoop up all of those crowns that you have, all that gold that you have, all that silver that you have, and you're going to come to the marriage supper of the Lamb, and you're going to want to take those rewards of yours, and guess what you're going to want to do with them? You're going to look in the eyes of the one that has loved you better than anyone ever loved you, and something in you is going to long to give them everything. And you're going to be like, I wish, I wish I could put it into words, the depths of my soul that I adore you, and I long for you, and I appreciate you, and forever and ever and ever, I just, I want to give you all, I'm telling you, something in you is going to just want to, I don't know how to, only the Spirit can reveal this to someone, because if you're, if you're just like carnal, if you're just fleshy, you'd be like, well, whatever, as long as I'm in heaven, trust me, there's going to come a moment when more than anything in the world, your mind is not going to be, how big is my mansion? Your thing is going to be, Jesus, how can I lay before you everything? Because you are so good. You are so faithful. You are so true. You are so glorious. You have been so good to me. You're going to see him like he is. The Bible says one day we're all going to see him like he is because we're going to see him just like he is. And we're going to be like, that, friends, he's so much better. Like we're, 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 we're sitting arguing about Israel and Hamas and, and left and right and, and, and look in his eyes that flame like fire. Church, I, I want us to be different than this world that we're stuck in. I want us to live for that day. I, I, want, I want to look at each other and be like, well, here she comes. Kathleen's coming up. It's Kathleen's turn. And then she comes like, in for Kathleen to take her stuff and be like, man, where are you going? I'm going to the wedding feast. 
where the theme song is, Here Comes the Lamb. And everyone's like, oh, I can't wait to give him this gift. I can't wait. Oh, Lord, you're beautiful. And your face is all I seek. For when your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds to me. You ever heard it where it says, I want to take your word and shine it all around. First help me just to live it, Lord. And when I'm doing well, help me never seek a crown. Because my reward is giving glory to you. Because my reward is giving glory to you. I want you to ask God to reveal to you the wood and the hay and the stubble or the gold and the silver and precious stones today. If he doesn't do the work, you're just gonna, it's just going to evaporate. I know. I get it. But I'm dreaming of what if we became a church that just like we humbly go to God. I, I'm going to just be very honest with you. I look at someone like the Apostle Paul and there's a part of me that just hopes I'm not in line right after him because I feel like so much of my life would just burn up. If I'm just being honest with you, I, I, even today I'm like, Lord, I want you to come back today, but there's a part of me that I, just, I want some more life because if I'm very honest with you, I feel like so much of my life, even my ministry is just wood and hay and straw. But I want to give him the good stuff. I want to have a pure heart. I want us to be a church of pure hearts. We don't, we don't need to be right about stuff. I, I want us to be righteous before him. Ask him. I, I would challenge you even today, maybe take four or five minutes just to sit before the Lord and say, God, reveal to me why I'm doing what I'm doing. Maybe even go to your microchurch and ask some of them, hey, can you guys help me? I, I'm not very good at assessing myself. And I don't want to be surprised on that day. I, I ended like this. I was reading about this couple that was coming back from the mission field and they were on a ship. It was like in the 1950s or 40s and they were on this ship and there was a celebrity that was on the ship with them and so the celebrity was had, surrounded by fanfare and all these people and when they arrived at the port in, in London, there were all these, all these people singing and cheering and celebrations and streamers and all the stuff and and this man of God that was with his wife that they had given their life to lost peoples around the world, he was sitting there, and a little part of him, he had given his life for like 40, 50 years to the mission field, and he was having a little moment of like, man, woe is me. He looked at his wife, he says, baby, look at this. <laughs> look at this, we, we, we get 50 years of our life, and as they pulled up, he, he looked out there, and he saw one lone person from their missions agency waiting for them in some little cheap transportation to take them back to their cheap little hotel. And he says, look at this, we, we give our lives all this time and, and this, is, this is our reward. And then look at this guy, look, look, look at, did we miss it? And they pulled up, his wife was silent for a minute. She looked at her husband, she says, baby, you see what he's getting here. He, he says, yeah, we, we, we both, we come home. And this, he comes home, he gets this, 
this reward, we come home, this is what we get. She says, honey, look again. We're not home yet. We're not home yet. He's done. Church, there are some of you that are living for his glory. You will never be sorry. We're not home yet. Don't be distracted by this crazy world that we're in. Let's, we're gonna, we're, let's be intense in our prayer and activism of the things that we're doing around the world. But our eyes are in one place, and it's on him. It's on him. Because the wedding of the lamb is coming, and the bride is trying to get herself ready. Greenhouse, I don't know how well I've done it today, but I have tried today to say, can this part of the bride get ourselves ready? So that when we are on that day, we're going to say, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? And we're like, man, here it comes. I don't know how much, oh, the fire only knows how much was pure. But I'll tell you, on that day, I'm going to bow. Here comes the lamb. And to him be all the glory. To him be all the honor. To him be all the praise. Because Christ and him crucified has done what no one else and nothing else can do. Glory to his name. Let's pray.